Thank you for tuning in to episode 90 of Barbershop Sports Talk with me, your host, Daryl D. Lane. As always, whether you are listening via SoundCloud, Stitcher, Apple, iTunes, Spotify, I want to thank you for making me and this show part of your day. Got a great show planned for you. are going to have Chris Milholland. Uh, he's a Nets reporter for uh, a Brooklyn Nets reporter for the Nets Daily News, he's going to give a lot of lowdown. It's going to be a little bit of an old interview again. It's going to be before Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving dropped. I will promise I'm going to try to get Chris on again in another week or so. I'm going to talk to him about how Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving, how that materialized, how that went down. I'm going to see if we can work that out. But also, we're going to talk about a little bit about D'Angelo Russell, right? The chance of getting Kevin Durant, uh, Kyrie, uh, if he has any funny Nets stories, stuff like that. So we're going to have that interview for you. Stay tuned for that. But so much about free agency. This is the first time I'm going to talk about free agency. The moves have been made. The dominoes have fallen. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving, like I said. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Brooklyn Nets players. Kawhi Leonard. A Los Angeles Clipper. Jimmy Butler. A member of the Miami Heat. Paul George traded to the Los Angeles Clippers. You want to know what my biggest takeaway from free agency the biggest thing I've learned, and I said this last show, uh, how LeBron James, how LeBron James completely changed the game in 2010 when he went to Miami and he said, "I'm taking my talents to South Beach." How that changed the NBA. Let's go back to this, right? LeBron James has a 61 season with Cleveland. He wins MVP. He loses to the Boston Celtics in the second round in six games. Uh and by the way, the series is tied 2-2. Uh, Cleveland at home court. So, game five is back in Cleveland. And uh, game six, it ends in Boston. They go on. The Boston Celtics that year, they go on uh, to the NBA Finals, lose the Lakers in seven games, right? Kobe Bryant gets his fifth ring in that uh, championship uh, match, uh, championship series, right? But let's go back to LeBron. So, 60 wins, MVP season. The team, the team he loses to is the team that ends up taking the defending champion Los Angeles Lakers to Game 7. So this is a very good Boston Celtics team, right? Paul Pierce, Ray Allen, uh, Rajon Rondo, Kendrick Perkins, Kevin Garnett. So this, this wasn't, uh, you know, a team that you lose to in the first round and they, lose in the, and they get swept in the second round, right? Has all these things. Born in Akron, Ohio. Northeast Ohio native. The city loves him. The city endures him. And he leaves for South Beach after having all that success. To a team in Miami? That that same year, they played the Boston Celtics. And they lost to the Celtics in five games. You know what that set the stage? It does not matter how much team success and individual success and how much an organization pampers and shows you love. That no longer matters in the NBA. No longer matters. The Toronto Raptors gave out carte to Kawhi Leonard. Five-star restaurant dining. Whatever you want, man. Don't want to play back-to-backs? You don't have to. You're not feeling right tonight? You don't have to. You can do whatever you want. We will bend over and bow to you. <laughs> you are everything but G- you, Jesus Christ. That's basically what they were doing, right? And he still left. He still left. He won the championship. He left the opportunity to defend his title with his teammates to go play in his hometown. That's crazy. Kevin Durant leaves the Golden State Warriors, a team that he's won back-to-back finals MVPs with, back-to-back championships with, a team that was in the finals this past year. And if he's healthy, he can think, we'll win it again. And he left to go to Brooklyn because he's happy there. Kyrie Irving, Boston Celtics, one of the best organizations in sports. Danny Ainge, one of the best GMs. Brad Stevens, one of the best coaches. They have Tatum, Jalen Brown. Young, good players. Boston could potentially be a contender. They went to Game 7 of the Conference Finals without him, right? He could think we can go back and we can get this working, even though we lost to Milwaukee in the semis. He could think that. He goes to Brooklyn. He wants to be happy. Jimmy Butler on a Philadelphia 76ers team that takes the, defend, that takes the eventual NBA champion 
Toronto Raptors to seven games and is a Kawhi Leonard three-point shot, fall away, bounce off the rim three times, and overtime of a game seven from winning that series. And he leaves to Miami, a team that didn't make the playoffs that year. Paul George leaves the team in Oklahoma City that he committed to just that following just that following season. He committed to Russell Westbrook. He said, dog, I'm with you. I'm here for the long haul. Kawhi Leonard texts him. He's like, nah, man. Sorry, Russ. Sorry, Sam Presley. I'm out. We going, we going to L.A. You know what that shows? No matter how well an organization treats a player, no matter what they do, no matter how much winning success the player has, the player can, will leave. They can and it's just what and this is a new this is something new in sports right that we haven't seen right we always talk about in the nfl how much power uh and i always explain this right the nfl well let's talk about three sports nfl mlb nba right the nfl is on the other end of the spectrum the owners have all the power they dominate the players no guaranteed contracts uh, you know, they held concussions away from players for a long time. They can cut you anytime they want. They make you restructure your deal. Not a lot of p- player empowerment. They have a franchise tag, for God's sake, so you can't leave in free agency. Then we go to the other side, the MLB. You can't even take less money if you're a Major League Baseball player or else it goes to arbitration. The Players Association is like, nah, you can't do that because we all trying to get paid. MLB players were talking about a lockout because... Bryce Harper and Manny Machado, two of the best players in the major leagues, weren't getting signed. That's how that, that's how baseball does it. Baseball missed a whole, a whole season. They're like, we don't care. Super strong. They're over the owners. The NFL owners are over the players. Now, the NBA has always been a happy medium, right? A little give, a little pull. Now the NBA is crossing over to the MLB, where they're dominating the owners. And I'll tell you this. Fans in basketball. I know people are keep talking about player empowerment, how much people love it. I don't mind it. I don't really care. But here's what I'm going to say about player empowerment. Eventually, fans are not going to be happy. Because I know we all talk about the player's happiness, but let's talk about other people's happiness. Because Kawhi Leonard's happiness, that is just one person. How about the fans of Toronto? I'm pretty sure they would like to read, uh, defend their title. The owner, the coach, the GM, they'd like to defend their title. There is now no protection for the organization. The organization can do everything right and still lose the player. That is crazy. That is mind-boggling. They can do everything right. The player's not feeling it. I'm not feeling it. That is such a crazy 360 turn. It's so crazy. And I'm sitting... After the Woj bomb drops Kawhi Leonard, I'm, I'm thinking, the chance to defend, and think about this, the chance to defend your title. You are king of a country. You are being worshipped by a country. You have carte blanche, like I said. And he leaves because of three men. Doc Rivers, Balmer, Jerry West. Huh. Interesting. And he gets Paul George to leave Oklahoma City. NBA organization, and people have always been talking about this, right? NFL lockout's coming. People say this. The players want their rights. The players want even relationship with the owners. If I'm an NBA owner, I'm looking at this. I'm like, we got to start having some protections. Because I'm going to tell you this. I don't think owners are going to be happy, especially when you're in the smaller market, especially when you're a place like Toronto. When you trade for players, you draft for players, you do everything right, and your player is still able to leave and hold you uh, with, with the bag, right? Hold you just blind, right? I'm telling you, eventually you're going to have billionaire men with a lot of ego, a lot of power, a lot of testosterone. They're going to be like, we ain't going for that. We're not going for that. That is not what we want. That is not what will happen. Because eventually, and we'll get into this later in the show too, right, about Stephen, Stephen A. Smith's comments, uh, Adam Silver's comments about ownership, about how the NBA is getting away of ownership. People that own things don't like being told what to do by the people they're paying. They, when you own something, when you run a business, you don't like your subordinates having that much power, right? Right? You, and I know your subordinates, they have options with, with under the rules, right? But also, here's another thing. Uh, and so we're going to get to Chris Milholland, a reporter for the Nets Daily News. 
Gonna have him on the show, like I said. Talk about everything Brooklyn, uh, everything Brooklyn Nets and free agency, right? I'm gonna talk about all that. But here's what I want to say. Tampering? What, what Kawhi Leonard did with uh, Paul George, is that not tampering? I mean, you could say he's not under the umbrella of the Clippers, but is that not tampering? Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, they, apparently NBA players are like, man, Kyrie, Kevin, they've been talking about Brooklyn for a couple of years. This has always been in the plan. Is that not tampering? When do owners, GMs, executives, people of power on the league start looking like, okay, it's okay when LeBron does it once. I guess we're okay when Kevin Durant does it once. But when we start having every star player do this and monopolizing our league, that is not what we want. That is not what we want. Because it, it used to be, right? Like and like I said, Los Angeles, New York, uh, Miami, they all have advantages. Warmer weather, bigger market, bigger city, bigger uh, opportunities, right? Always have an advantage. The thing that was always the evening factor, great organizations, great organizations. You draft well. You, you coach them up. You develop your players. You do this and you do that and you can build your own team. That no longer applies and you can be a dynasty. The way the Spurs did it, the, the Spurs way is dying. The Lakers way is excelling. Hey, hey, you want to know what? We'll, we'll, we'll just sign Shaquille O'Neal in his prime. To, to take him like a thief in the night for the Orlando Magic, even though they just went to the NBA Finals with, with, with Shaq and Penny, right? Penny Hardaway? We'll, we'll, Jerry West, we'll just get him. We'll just get him. He'll go to Los Angeles. Instead of the San Antonio Spurs, you draft Tony Parker, you draft Manu, you draft Tim, you draft Kawhi Leonard. It's a new, it's a new age in the NBA. New age. Trying to tell you, it's a new age. Now cut him next. After the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, we're gonna have Chris Milholland, reporter for the Nets Daily News, coming next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk, and we have a very special guest with us, Chris Milholland. He covers the Brooklyn Nets for uh, the NetsDaily.com. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing great. Now, the first thing I do want to ask you is, uh, and you were talking to me about this a couple days ago, so you had an interview with D'Angelo Russell, a uh, Brooklyn Nets guard. Just tell me how that interview was, you know, what type of information did you get from D'Angelo? How was he? You know, just elaborate a little bit into that. Um, so, well, I met up with him yesterday at his, uh, his first pro camp in Metuchen, New Jersey at the Sportsplex, and um, a spokesperson, prior to the interview, um, a spokesperson came around to all the media members and, and stressed that, uh, that D'Angelo will not be accepting any free agency questions, so all free agency or anything, any, mostly any questions other than what happened inside those walls by the gym would not be accepted if we did ask um the interview would be cut so we were we were kind of just we kind of just uh, the reporters asked we just asked just the basic question of how the camp went major takeaways and then i would say the biggest highlight from the whole interview was uh that he, he stressed that he loved the city of brooklyn and that um yeah just that he loved the city of brooklyn he loves the basket that the breed basketball and it's court on every corner, which shows, yeah, even though there wasn't a lot of free agency, like obviously we didn't get or we didn't hear what we wanted to hear, but overall it's just, okay, the, that's a good sign that he loves the city of Brooklyn and that he still has the same feelings because earlier in the offseason he even said that he wants to remain in that, so it all ties in together. Now, what do you think his chances of remaining in net are, if, for example, the Brooklyn Nets, if they get a Kyrie Irving? What would you say? That how, how, what are his chances of staying in New Jersey, uh, excuse me, in Brooklyn, if they get a guy like Kyrie Irving? Well, there's been a lot of reports uh, uh, from just both sides from that the Nets would look into doing a, a backcourt duo of Russell and Irving, and there's some reports that say that Russell... If Irving does come, that Russell's going to be mostly the left on the end of the stick, and that he would be on his way out. So I wouldn't say there's there's no there's not a lead to anything, but the only the only strong lead to stuff is that Kyrie has a strong interest and mutual interest in Brooklyn. Do you think that those two could play together? Um. Well, 
went well back uh, back I would say about a month or two ago. Brought, uh, there was a great story that came out about Kevin Boyle, who was the high school coach for both uh, Kyrie Irving, D'Angelo Russell, which obviously there were at different times. But he said that it was a thousand percent work. But they're both two ball dominant guards. Um, they both D'Angelo and Kyrie. Kyrie's got the clutch in him, and D'Angelo's a good shooter, a good passer. They're both good passers. So. I don't know. There's only one way to find out that if they would work well together is if that they both played together. So we wouldn't know until we see it. No wonder how Coach Kenny Atkins. I think he's had a uh, done a really good job of developing a D'Angelo Russell, both uh, you know as a, a player, you know, on and off the court. Uh, where, where do you think D'Angelo's uh, growth has come most? Because you know he's come a long way from like remember you know that incident in L.A. and now he's built himself into a credible All Star and, and, and kind of kind of one of the leaders of the team. So can you just describe that maturation process both on and off the court? Yeah, well, I think that the biggest thing to his maturity or his his improvement in maturity and everything was obviously he he knows the business of the NBA. You see that he got dealt. Lakers, they just they kind of just dumped him to Brooklyn because Magic Johnson called him. Everyone's seen those comments, but I would say just the business behind the NBA, and obviously Brooklyn was a fresh start for him at that time when he came in. There wasn't really a lot of pressure on him to perform. It wasn't like Brooklyn was a big playoff team or they they had pressure to make the playoffs or anything. But obviously, you saw this past season, he became his first All Star. He had a career year. Um, obviously, he's heading into a big summer with with uh, probably the biggest summer of his career. And he's going to be expecting a nice payday. So I would say just the business of the NBA and a fresh start in Brooklyn was really what um, developed his game. Now to get back to the free agency aspect of things, there's also been talks about, uh, I guess, Kevin Durant going to uh, Brooklyn. And I guess I remember I was reading one report at one point in time where it was like, Kevin Durant, seriously considering the Brooklyn Nets. Now I know Kyrie's been linked a lot because he's from that area. But uh, do you think that there's a strong chance Kevin Durant could team up with Kyrie in Brooklyn? Well, with with Kevin Durant, you just never know. Because with KD, I, like personally, in my opinion, I've said this on the Russell and Fro podcast. I've said this on multiple occasions. I just don't see Kevin Durant uh, leaving, at least on the terms that he's on right now with the ruptured Achilles. And it's it's a it's a bad rupture because if if a team comes out and immediately says he will miss the whole majority of next season, that's a bad rupture. It's not like it's a small rupture like, and he'll be back by maybe maybe game something of the playoffs or whatever the case is. Like he's indefinitely out. So, and he also has a thirty one point five million dollar player option on the table. Uh, so like, what what do you what what would he do if he was in that case? You'd say, all right, well if he knows he's going to miss the whole season. And the Warriors, the Warriors right there have $31.5 million playing right there. Why not rehab, get better, see how see how free agency, see how every team in next year plays out. So obviously you see the Knicks, the Nets, Clippers, Lakers, you see all the good contending teams, see how they play out in the 2019-2020 season. Then you would become an unrestricted free agent, and then you could just test the market again. But with Brooklyn, I, I just, there's... Um, I don't. It's just one of those things that no one exactly knows the conditions and the interest levels between KD and any of the teams. So it's just it'd just be a waiting game as of now until you get more indicators to come. What do you think? And you know, and I've really found this interesting about Brooklyn is because you know Brooklyn's kind of settled because before it was all about the Knicks, right? This is the summer of the Knicks. This is where they're going to get all their free agency. And then you start, and especially the Clippers too. And then you hear more and more about the Nets. Why do you think that the Brooklyn Nets have kind of come back to being like you know a free agent destination where there's all these reports, all these leaks about players potentially signing with the Nets? What makes the Nets so appealing? I would say just look at their highlight tape for the whole season last year. Obviously, see they got they got a great young core. They it's not they they have a defined culture which differs from a lot of other teams in the league. You just see just they're they're a lot different and they got great they're great all around from their front office coaching staff, the players on the court to their off season appeal. It's just that they're they've established themselves as a perfect organization. Like you see, just they they and plus the two the well right now they're. At the verge of getting two max contract, but they may have to make a couple small moves. But you just see that's so appealing to free agents because you see their past three seasons: twenty wins and twenty-seven wins. Then this past season, like you, you just see the end of the past season, the playoffs, 
the almost obviously the Sixers were a tough team to face in the first round, and but you could see just obviously D'Angelo being an All Star, then being a sixty going into the playoffs. It just adds up for the perfect perfect situations that hey, if one star player comes here or at least one star player, they're gonna they're gonna improve and they're gonna be pretty dangerous in the Eastern Conference. And now if you talk about two star players like Kevin Durant and a Kyrie Irving coming, and then you add that in with a Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, or whoever, or and on top of that, the young core of the Nets and their bench and what they do in Long Island. It's a pretty dangerous team in the Eastern Conference, so that's the whole reason why is that they see their improvements over the past couple of years. You see Sean Marks, the trades he makes are very strategic. The moves he makes are very strategic from grabbing second-round picks as the freeing up cap. It's everything, because you saw it in the past draft. He traded away the 27th pick so he could free up cap space for that season because he knows if that first-round pick, if he picked that 27, it'd go against the cap. So if he said, you know what? You probably just thinking, hey, the player that I could get at 27 is probably going to be available at 31. And that's probably what the mindset he had. So he freed up cap. He probably got a good player of his choosing that he was looking at to begin with. So overall, the Nets are just a very appealing destination for a lot of free agents, especially in an Eastern Conference. Do you think that the Nets might have, and also reports about this too, that you know the Nets maybe they're looking at having second thoughts about Kyrie Irving. Do you think the Nets would have any second thoughts about bringing Kyrie Irving? And I guess I guess the reason would be too is because they're also looking at Durant. Like you said, Achilles injury very bad, not playing at all this year. In all likelihood, you bring in Kyrie, uh, you'd, he'd be coming in alone theoretically, and then you have him with a bunch of young guys, a young organization. That's kind of. Well, what, how he flamed out in Boston, to be quite honest with you, him versus the young guys. Do you think there'd be any concerns about that with Kyrie? I think that the Nets, they're, they're weighing out both options very equivalently. I'd, I'd say, obviously, you see the reports hover around Kyrie Irving, but that doesn't mean they're just ruling out D'Angelo Russell or they haven't been scouting D'Angelo or they haven't been looking at his side of the story. I would say with like you like with Kyrie Irving, you saw how he worked out with the young core with the Boston Celtics, obviously. And Kyrie, he's not he's not always the most happy player, but it's 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 a risk you let uh, because there's two sides of this. Like yes, Kyrie Irving, he's a future Hall of Famer, Olympic gold medalist, six-time All-Star. The list goes on of the achievements that he's done, NBA champion. But with with D'Angelo Russell, he's coming off his first All-Star appearance. He's 23 years old. He's, um, he's been a huge pioneer, if not the biggest pioneer, to the whole of what Brooklyn has become within a basketball organization from when he arrived to where they are now. He's the main reason for that on top of Sean Marks. But, like, it's just one of those things, like, okay, like, which which point guard are we taking? Are we going with a new look, a new face of the franchise? Are we going to stick with someone that we know what they could produce in a Brooklyn Nets uniform? And moving forward, obviously, if they have two max contract spots, I don't like. I don't. I don't really expect uh, the Nets to go with a Kyrie and D'Angelo, uh, like a lineup or backcourt right away. I would say they would probably wait out. And also, Russell is restricted, so the Nets have 48 hours to match a deal, no matter what team he signs with. So that that comes as a beneficial factor with the Nets, but. I'm not sure um, with Kyrie and D'Angelo. It's one of those things is you just gotta wait. Free agency is, is a couple days away. It's less. It's right there around the corner. So you don't know. A lot of players make verbal agreements now in this time period, and then when free agency comes, they come July 6 when they could sign the deals and everything. Then we'll then we'll have heavier hints, and and then the whole story will just play out. Now, when it comes to, you know, you know, right, in New York City, you know, yeah, Brooklyn, you also have the Knicks. What would you describe the rivalry as between the Brooklyn Nets and the New York Knicks? I would say it's mostly just, it's mostly just that rivalry that, that, that's been established for a lot of years. Obviously, well, when the, the teams were, the teams, when the Knicks were good, the Nets necessarily weren't too good. And when the Nets were really good, the Knicks weren't too good. So it's never, they've never had... Like two really, really bona fide dynamic teams face off against each other in the most recent years. But I would say just the rivalry between them as of now just has escalated because of the cap space. Now, obviously, they both have the great cap. They both have two max contracts, or at least they will. But then you just see that it's just it's a rivalry. You see, okay, the Knicks, for example, 
they have a lot. They they have they have the most pressure off any team besides. Well, the Lakers are obviously up there, but the pressure off them has subsided since they acquired Anthony Davis. But the Knicks, it's that hey, it's been it's been a, a great number of years since they actually brought home that championship, and you've seen it in 2010, 2012, just just their free agency hopes, and then what they want. They wanted a LeBron. They wanted a Wade. And they ended up with a Carmelo and a Mari Stoudemire. And then, like you see this year, you see that the strikes the strikes happened. You see they were betting on Zion, and then what happened? They got the third pick, and then that's strike one. And then the Kyrie Irving rumors that 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 put a big setback on them. And then obviously you saw as of late, Steph Bonnie of the Daily News put out a great story about uh, the next president, Steve Milty, saying, "Hey, the, the you guys, you guys got to give us patience." Well, if you're the Knicks, if you're a Knicks fan, at least, well, if I was a Knicks fan, I wouldn't be too, I wouldn't be too patient at this point. If you have the money right there and you're already swinging and missing as it is, and you have Brooklyn right down the ball, right down, the, literally right down there, have two mass contracts. They're they did a whole different way of becoming successful. They didn't tank. They didn't do anything along those lines. They fought. They battled. So it's just it's just one of those things it's just it's just bragging rights at this point and obviously if the net if the nets come out for a more successful summer than the knicks do and say the knicks just swing miss on just about everything that they hoped for and the nets come out as a bona fide organization a dynamic organization and put themselves out as one of those those great organizations the nba not just in these conference but in the nba landing stars and stuff it's gonna be. It's going The Knicks are gonna be embarrassed. So it's just one of those rivalries as it stands now, and we just have to look for girl. We're moving into the summer. Now, what what are and, this, and I want your opinion on this. What do you think the chances are the Brooklyn Nets they get a star, they get a KD, they get a Kyrie? What are your chance? What, what do you think the chances are? I would say, well, just broadly speaking, not really putting names into conversations. I would say it's pretty high. Now, by by stars. By they're in this free agency class, there's superstars, and then there's stars, and then there's just the other players. I'll say that. Well, obviously, you know the big three main fish are Kawhi, KD, and Kyrie. Those are those who I call are I guess the superstars of this free agency class. And I would say just along the aspect of stars aspect, I would say they would have a pretty high chance of landing a good caliber player. Obviously, um, I would say. Tied. They have two max contract spots. They've, they've, you've seen. Everyone's seen the reports. I've done a little bit of reporting myself with Kyrie Irving, my source, which is close to the Nets. They've told me that Kyrie Irving is. They, they both have mutual interest in each other. Obviously, my colleague Anthony Puccio, they, he said that he, it's like a done deal. And the reports are there. All the reports are on the same lines of Kyrie Irving. Obviously, there's a couple that Kyrie may not come. KD doesn't come. So that may factor into the equation. But as it stands now, it's just a waiting game until free agency actually begins, and then the the little the little footsteps just start adding up. Then you have the big story and the big catch right there of who went where. So as of now, how it stands, I would say, hey, it's a high chance that they do get someone, but I'm not going to say it's a definite chance that they get someone. Now, I think the biggest reason, why, in my personal opinion, why the Brooklyn Nets they have such a high chance because it's kind of like you know the Lakers, Clippers. You know, I find it hard to believe the, uh, the Clippers, they won't get a free agent because you, when you get in a room with Doc Rivers, Jerry West, uh, and Ballmer, you're going to be like, oh my God, how can I not be impressed? And then if you go and this before AD, obviously, but then you go on the Lakers and you're like, ah, you know, the people running things don't seem too, you know, too, too high up there. But then same with the Knicks and the Nets, you know, you, you're impressed with the Nets, you know, everything's neat, everything's smooth, everything's organized. Then you go to the Nets and you're doling, it's like, ah, you know. Is that the and that to me? I think that's the biggest reason. Tell me if I'm wrong. Do you think that's the biggest reason why the Brooklyn Nets they won't strike out in free agency when compared to other teams? I wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily say so because of what Brooklyn has done over the past three years. Obviously, well, this one since Sean Marks has taken over and Kenny Atkinson has just done his thing. Kenny, the Nets have a lot of benefits in their doubts. First off, they got a they got a great GM in Sean Marks. Everyone has seen what they what he has taken over and what he has turned around. You see the Boston Celtics trade; they 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 trade away their whole future for for just falling all stars that were just on the bound of, on the border of just retirement. And you just see just what Kenny Atkinson is. He's a well liked coach. He's he's um, 
He's a co- he's player development specialist. You see what he's done in the whole Nets organization. It's just that they breed a young core. Everyone always overlooks that of what they what happens behind the scenes. If they're even players not on the roster, you see what the Vince and Allen Williams, John and Moose have done in Long Island. I covered them throughout the whole season last year. From Will Weaver, obviously he's with the City Kings in the NBL now, and everyone everyone is aware of what the Nets have been doing this this past season. You've seen it from hirings, the just a couple of names from Trademan Langdon to 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 Pablo Prigioni, and to everyone just heading out to other teams, get learning them away. That that shows that teams around the league are taking notice to what the Brooklyn Nets success has been. Um, and just has been over the past couple of years, let alone this past season from making their playoff appearance. Now, obviously, I've said this a couple times in other recordings. I've said there's three franchises that there will have fans no matter what the record is and no matter where the team is going or whatever the direction the team is heading. That's the Knicks, Lakers, and Celtics. And you, you just had a lot of players. Yeah, it's, it may be hard, like you said, to turn down the purple and gold, or may turn down live, turn to play in L.A. But listen, Brooklyn's right there in New York City. You still get the New York City environment. There is nightlife in Brooklyn. There's a lot of attractions off the court and around in the scenery to what to Brooklyn. Let alone just being next to New York. Obviously, if you want to go the Knicks, they have the legacy factor over the Nets. But the Nets, they have the most recent success, which plays into a lot in their favor. So I would say with the Nets, it's just just what they have done over the recent years. Obviously, the two max contract spots, they get brighter and brighter each year. You see that they built D'Angelo into a first-time All-Star from when he came over from L.A. Supposedly having that bust aspect hovering over his name. So overall, the Nets just have one of those things that, Okay, they have they stand out. Obviously, like I said before, the culture that they have, it's it, they differ from a lot of teams, and they're they they a lot of players and, and a lot of mostly a lot of everyone should just not rule out Brooklyn in any aspect. They're going to come and they're going to come swinging heavy. Now I want to know this, uh, right? We talk about D'Angelo Russell's maturity, but uh, when he first got to Brooklyn, or, or even now this year. Were there any fun, mo- funny moments, or something funny, or a funny story they have about D'Angelo Russell? Um, off the top of my head, I do not. Um, I do not have any funny story. I've, when I was when I was covering D'Angelo when he came to Brooklyn and everything like that, like I like obviously everyone's seen the. Obviously, there was there was a lot of mixed stories. Just it's it's fun. The funny aspect is just a lot of mixed stories about how the move did not benefit Brooklyn's favor. Obviously, they had to trade away the pick, which became Kyle Kuzma, and they had to trade away a franchise player in Lopez, which he's probably going to be one of the greatest Nets of all time and have his jersey hanging up in the rafters when it's all said and done. But you just got to look at, like you saw on um, uh, Michael Smith and Jamel Hill, that, that that report surfaced a little while ago. They When that report came out, they said, Michael Smith was like, hey, I thought Brooklyn were done making stupid trades. And look what then now you have now obviously now now the show's not on air anymore, but that's for all different reasons. But you just see just what the reports from back then from being a mix. The, okay, the D'Angelo Russell at Brooklyn was not a good move and everything, but Brooklyn needed people forget like yeah, D'Angelo Russell had a lot of off-season concerns hanging over his head, but on the court he was a promising young point guard that was only. He was only like 21, 22 years old at that time, and look what he's now. Now he's a 23-year-old all-star with rising potential entering the summer of the biggest summer of his career. So I wouldn't say there was any funny stories, but just the projections of a lot of reports back then. Obviously, yeah, it's understandable. You gotta have two sides of the equation when it comes to the trades. Who won the trade? Who didn't win the trade? But you've just seen over the past couple times, the Lakers have given away a lot of their young talent from D'Angelo Russell to Lonzo Ball last week. There's just a lot of it's just a lot of reporting that goes on and just see the Brooklyn eat there's no question they walked away with that that the win in that deal. They trade they, they let Brooke Lopez walk and you saw what he did with the ball he bust this past season. He was one of the biggest contributors in the playoffs. He established a three point shooting shot. And then obviously what's left is with the Lakers in that deal is Kyle Kuzma. Hey, don't get me wrong, he's a great talent and obviously you can see the Lakers are planning to Keep him around and build and use him in LeBron AD in their future championship hopes lineup. But yeah, just along those lines, I don't really have any funny individual stories just coming from a personal aspect, but just overall reporting of it. 
just from, say, Brooklyn is making dumb trades by acquiring him to seeing where they are today. That just shows the impact that D'Angelo Russell has made on this franchise. Chris, I want to thank you for coming on the show. I appreciate it. Yeah, of course, my man. Thank actually, you. Chris, Congrats. I do. Actually, Chris, you want to know? I do have one more uh, question for you, uh, and this is just for me personally. So, you know, in your opinion, whatever happened to Darren Williams? He was so good in Utah. Then he comes to Brooklyn. I feel like he just left his game in Utah. Whatever happened with that? I would say just well, you saw just injuries that played a little bit of toll, and, and obviously he just didn't live up to what the Nets wanted to live up when he was acquired. Like you saw with the Utah Jazz, like you mentioned before, he was. He was one of the best point guards in the NBA. You saw what he did with the Jazz. You saw just everything along those lines. Now, obviously, we're still paying him a little bit off the books and everything. But it's it's just it it's it's one of those unfortunate things where just a player just just bust out of the NBA. It's just the team doesn't want him, but and then other teams don't want him either. It's just it's one of those stories. You see, we've seen it all across in recent history, but. I don't know. It's just one of those things, and obviously, unfortunately, the Nets still have to pay for him. But hey, well, that time will come. That that time's ending pretty soon. So, um, but just as as for Nets fans, everyone looking forward. You have a bright future ahead of you. Thank you, Chris, for coming on. I appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Thanks for having me. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. And once again, I want to thank Chris Milholland. Uh, covers the Brooklyn Nets for the Nets uh, Daily News. I want to thank him for coming on the show. Uh, the interview was a little later, a little later than expected. Uh, probably going to try to get him on next show because I really do want to have his opinion now that we know Kyrie and Kevin Durant are in Brooklyn. Kind of how that materialized a little bit. We'll see if we can work that out. I know Chris is a very busy guy and does a really uh, great job. Shout out again to Chris. Uh, really appreciate that. But here's what I want to talk about now. Uh, right, uh, Stephen A. talked about it. Stephen A. Smith, for those of you who don't know, he does First Take, uh, and he has his own radio show. And and he's an NBA reporter. And some of, one of the things he was talking about on his radio show was, uh, apparently, uh, Adam Silver, the NBA, they don't use the term owner anymore. I, I don't know if it's that the rule has already been passed. You can't use the term owner, or it's more of a cohe a kind of a cohesive thing. It's something that's happened kind of internally, like how all the employees get the memo: "Hey, don't do this, don't say this." So she kind of you'll get in trouble because of racial insensitivity. And uh, Stephen A. kind of went on it, went off on a rant. As if anybody who watches Stephen A. Smith knows, Stephen A. Smith can do like the unmitigated golf of temerity. Like Stephen A. Smith, he'll use all these big words and get all uh, excited. I'll try not to get that excited, right? I'll try not to, because uh, my aunt, my mom, my aunt, oh, they, my other aunt, they always, always tell me, Aunt Gina always tells me, you know, you don't need to swear, you don't need to get so excited, so I won't do that. But what I will say, and I think this is interesting, and I really wish we could have somebody like Silas or Scotty on to give a different take on this, so I'm just going to give my take on this. Uh, Stephen A. Smith disagree with it, by the way, uh, agree with, agrees with me, by the way, he does not like that they're getting rid of the term over owner, and I agree. And here's the reason, I know there's racial insensitivity, but here's what I would say. Um... I live at home, right? I live with my mom and dad. Uh, every time I tell my mom and dad something that I can do or can't do, tell them when I can come home or something like that, you know what my mom says to me? You know what my dad says to me? They say, well, we own the house. So we can do whatever we want. And basically, even though I'm a legal adult, you have no rights. It's kind of what they're saying. Um... I work at a restaurant, Giancarlo, Sicilian Steakhouse and Pizzeria. You know who y'all call uh, a guy, Anthony Ragusha, uh, who's the owner, and uh, Gabrielle Ragusha? We call them the owners. You want to know why? Because they own the restaurant. You know who we call Tony Walker? It's Tony Walker Plaza. They're, they're in Buffalo, right? You know who we all say Tony Walker? He owns the plaza. Now, we'll talk about ownership. We can get into a lot of things. When you start talking about owning people, that is different. You don't own people. But you want to know what? Those owners own the team. They own the team. They don't own the players. They don't own the coaches. They don't own the, the, the people that work in sessions, the people that they pay. But you want to know what? They own the facility. They own the team playing. They own all the other stuff. Because they bought it. 
on their dime. You can own inanimate objects. I, I don't. You can't own people. And I, I, I know there's a there's a fine line because of what Adam Silver is alluding to is you know slavery. You know they they owned African Americans, and it's in the the NBA is a majority African American driven league. So I understand that. But make no mistake, the owners own the team. It, trust me, they own it. <laughs> they own it. Because you know what? They're footing the bill for everything. They're making all the decisions. So they do own it. LeBron James. He doesn't own an NBA team, but he owns a lot of businesses. He He's a businessman. He owns a lot of uh, companies and et cetera, et cetera. Kevin Durant. Why do you, one of the reasons, why do you go to New York? Why do the people talk about that? You know, the marketing ability, the opening up businesses, stuff like that. Kevin Durant is a owner. So I don't understand why it's like we can't use the term owner. LeBron James is an owner. Kevin Durant is an owner. All of you listening out there to me, you guys are all owners. Gal, guys and gals, you are all owners on very small levels. You own a house. Um, you own furniture. You own your TV. And you want to know what? When you own stuff, when you own stuff, you can do whatever you want to do. Now, you can't own people. You cannot own people. For example, like I'll go back to the mom and dad analogy. My parents, they do not own me. I can do whatever I want. But if I do whatever I want, since they own the house, they can tell me I am no longer welcomed in the house. Since the NBA owners, they own the team, they can tell players, you are no longer welcomed on the team. You can be traded. Your salary, we can cut you across all sports. We can do this, we can do that. You want to know why? Because they own the team. Because they own the team. An owner, to me, when you own something, it is yours. It is yours. You can destroy it. You can, you can do whatever you want to. And nobody can say anything because it's like, well, they own the team. They own the team. And not everybody's a good owner. Everybody talks about the New York Knicks. Dolan, right? He's a terrible owner. Terrible owner. God awful for the New York Knicks. But guess what? It's his right to do that. Because guess what? He owns the team. He owns the Team. Let me repeat that. He owns the team. Michael Jordan, African-American, greatest basketball player ever, in my opinion. He's been an awful owner, an awful executive. But guess why? He can be do that. Guess why he can do that? He owns the team. You want to know why the Chicago Bulls in 1998 weren't brought back, even though they just won three straight championships? Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman, Michael Jordan. And Michael Jordan ended up retiring. You want to know why? Because the ownership didn't want to bring everybody back. They had issues with Phil Jackson. They didn't want to pay everybody. And guess what? It might have not been the smart decision, but guess why they had the right to do that? They owned the team. Is it that complicated? I mean, I don't know what other word you can use besides, you know, ownership. Like, like, and like I said, you can't own people, but you can own inanimate objects. And those inanimate objects, those things that you own, that property that you own can impact people. And is it always fair? No, it's not always fair. But best belief, every star player in the NBA is an owner too. There's stuff that they own. There's lives that they control. LeBron James just shut down one of his marketing companies right now. You know how many people would lose their jobs? A lot of people. LeBron's an owner too. They're owner. All these athletes do. They're everybody. Like I said, everybody's an owner on their own small scale. Guess what? This microphone that I'm talking to you through, I own it. Because I paid for it. Let me repeat this. I own this mic. I don't own a lot of things in my house. I will say that. I do not own a lot of things in my house. My mom can attest to that. She always tells me. What she tells me, I don't own anything. I always point out, I own a couple things in the house. I own a couple things. But this mic is one of those things I own. So I will do whatever I want to do with my mic. When I want to do with my mic. And you want to know why nobody tells me what I can't or can't do with my mic? You want to know why nobody in my house has ever just used my mic when I'm not around or anything like that? Because guess what? They all know. Daryl owns the mic. 
Hmm. Hmm. Isn't it interesting how that works? Let me repeat this. Daryl Dominique Lane owns the mic. Let's say it again. Daryl Dominique Lane owns the mic. You own your house. You own your car. You own your food that you bought from Wegmans, from Tops, from your local supermarket. You own your clothes. You want to know why people burn? You know why it's in I always think it's funny. People burn their jerseys. You want to know why you can burn your jersey? I think it's smart. I think it's idiotic. But guess why you can burn your jersey? Well, guess why you can burn a jersey? LeBron James leaves. Kyrie Irving leaves. Kevin Durant leaves. Guess why you can burn a jersey? Because you own it. Isn't it funny how ownership works? Ah. Uh, and it, it's funny. It doesn't change anything. The owners can still do whatever they want within reason because it's their team. Because it's their team. Now, he, now the owners don't own the individual players, the individual employees. And it's not just the other players. It, it's from the concessions. Like I said, it's everything. It's the coaches. It's everything. But they own everything else. And since they own everything else, they have a level of influence over your life and they have a level of control because they're paying you. They're your boss. So I don't know what other word. If anybody knows a word that's better than owner, I mean, you could say, I, I mean, boss, but I think owner's a little bit stronger than boss because, uh, for example, you could say the GM is everybody's boss, but the GM's not the owner. It's like there's levels to this, right? There's, there's levels of power. I think that's why it's always important when you use the owner. The owner's like the end-all, be-all, the final say. President of basketball operations has a lot of power. The coach is power. The coach is a boss, but the coach isn't the owner, right? There's always a higher level of who's in control. Just wanted to get that out there. And coming up next, after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to tell you two things about both New York teams from free agency. The New York Knicks and the Brooklyn Nets. Got them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. Oh, we're back with Barbershop Sports Talk. So here's what I want to talk about, right? <clears throat> in relation to both uh, both New York teams. Uh, first, here's what I want to get to. Uh, you know, as soon as the Brooklyn Nets news dropped, everybody's talking about, you know, how can they do? You know, can they compete with the Bucks? Can they compete with the Sixers? How, do, how does everything fit in the East? Now, first, let me tell you about the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, and then I feel like everybody that was saying that, a lot of fans and people, friends of mine that were saying that, they forgot. Kevin Durant? Might not play the whole year. And we saw what it was like with Kyrie without a, uh, when Kyrie was the best player on a team. Example, Boston Celtics flaming out in the second round of the Milwaukee Bucks unceremoniously in five games to Giannis Antetokounmpo. Right? We saw that. Also saw in defense of Kyrie, when Kyrie's with a LeBron caliber player, which Kevin Durant is if he comes back heavily from his Achilles, which is a big if. He can win a championship and go to multiple finals, especially in the Eastern Conference. But will Kevin Durant ever be the same? I, I, I still have questions about that. I still have a lot of questions about that. And I'm just going to say this, right? Kevin Durant will probably be 32 in plays, right? Because have this year, um, Achilles. Then the next year, it takes a whole year to get your body back. By the time he's back, you know, Kevin Durant, uh, full go, full go, 32 years old. Now, the only player that I know that, the only player, I'll name players. I mean, who was the best player in the NBA at 32 years old? Because uh, that, that's when you're coming out of your prime. You're not as athletic. You're not as explosive. And that's a big part in a sport like basketball. Who was it? Michael Jordan, LeBron James. The only two guys I'm thinking of off the top of my head that were the best players in the NBA at 32 years old. And both of those guys are the two best players to ever play the game of basketball and two of the greatest athletes to ever play, right? People forget uh, Michael Jordan was Jumpman and uh, LeBron James is a freak of nature at 6'8", 260 pounds. 
Kevin Durant, uh, at 32 years old, who's going to lose defensive ability. We know Golden State became such a great rim protector. His explosiveness, his ability to get to the rim. Uh, Kevin Durant's just not a, a smooth shooter. He's very athletic. Uh, he can move, and he moves very well for a seven-footer, which is something people don't realize. Most seven-footers don't move as gracefully as Kevin Durant. I'm going to give you some guys that are seven-footers. Tim Duncan's a seven-footer. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar is a seven-footer. Joel Embiid's a seven-footer. Do any of those guys move like Kevin Durant? No. So that's part of the reason Kevin Durant is so special, because he's so tall and so athletic for his height, and he can move. And then here's another thing. Uh, is his Achilles going to always bother him? How's he going to feel? You know, uh, game to game, night to night. We see Kevin Durant have, I mean, uh, Kawhi Leonard having Knicks and Nats, and, Kevin, and Kawhi Leonard can't play back-to-backs. Uh... Can he give you 40 minutes consistently in a playoff run? We, we don't know. How will his legs affect him, right? Your Achilles, um, your calf. How will his legs, his jump shot? He's a jump shooter. You need to jump. Can he fade off that leg? You know, can he go to that side of his body? How strong will it be? Those are all things. And not to mention, he's supposed to be getting worse anyway as he enters this stage of his career, Right? <laughs> he's no longer in his physical peak and his physical ability is going to be a little bit depreciated so I'm just going to name when he comes back and he's full go players that I think will be better Kawhi Leonard, Anthony Davis, Joel Embiid Giannis Antetokounmpo I still think that you can make an argument LeBron James will be James Harden, Steph Curry, Ben Simmons then I get to Kevin Durant now Kevin Durant could prove me wrong but as a, I was a Lakers fan, could be a Kobe Bryant fan I saw Kobe Bryant, now this is at 34 years old I believe, and to Kevin Durant um 30, but I saw Kobe tear his Achilles, never the same, was a shell of himself. He sucked. He was doo-doo. He was trash. He was garbage. And I love Kobe. But that's what he was when he played. It hurt my eyes to watch. <laughs> it hurt my eyes to watch. So if Kevin Durant comes back and Kevin Durant's just an all-star, 24, 25 point per game guy, right? Like maybe a borderline top 10, top 15 player. That's not what you're paying KD all that money for. That's not that LeBron James caliber player that Kyrie needs. It's just not. And it isn't. And so here, what I'm going to say? Kyrie isn't a superstar. Kyrie is not a superstar. We don't know if Kevin Durant ever will be a superstar again. So you could potentially have... You're not winning without a top five player in the NBA. That is what you need. Look at the teams that have won it. LeBron James team that gets to the finals. Steph Curry, top five. Kevin Durant, top five. Kobe, top five. That's what gets to the finals. Kawhi Leonard, top five. The only thing top five I'm sure about Brooklyn is that they are a top five borough in New York City, right? You got Manhattan, you got Brooklyn, you got the Bronx, you got Staten Island, you got Queens. I'm pretty sure they're, they're a top five borough. <laughs> That's the one thing I am 100% positive that will be top five when Kevin Durant is 32. That is the only thing. Because Kyrie will be getting close to 30. Kyrie will be getting worse too. So, I, I want to say that. Now about the New York Knicks. My takeaway from the New York Knicks. Uh, you know, it's funny how confident, you know, people say overconfidence brings arrogance. All the reports coming out all year, Kevin Durant to the Knicks. Kevin Durant to the Knicks. Kevin Durant and, Ky and Kyrie Irving in the garden. Uh, that's why they justified trading Kristaps Porzingis, the 7'3 jump shooting unicorn. That's why, you know... There was all this talk about tank for Zion, tank for Zion. We can use Zion and trade for Anthony Davis, right? That's all the talk. The future is Kevin Durant and Kyrie. None of that happened. None of that happened. And what are the New York Knicks left? They don't have a star player. They don't have Jimmy Butler. They don't have Kevin Durant. They don't have Kawhi Leonard. They don't have Kyrie Irving. Hell, they didn't get a trade for Paul George, <laughs> right? They don't have a DeMarcus Cousins. They don't have a Kimba Walker. They don't have a Klay Thompson. You want to know what the New York Knicks have? They don't even have a Zion. <laughs> they have R.J. Barrett. That's what the Knicks got. They got R.J. Barrett. They got R.J. Barrett. Right? Love RJ. I think RJ can be a decent player. I think RJ can be 18 to 20 points scorer in the NBA. But that's very different from Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. <laughs> that's very different. Or Zion Williams, who everybody says is going to be the next LeBron. It's very different. 
overreacting, thinking that you have things in the bag, getting lazy. Just want to say that about the next. Um, now, cut them next. After the break, on Barbershop Sports Talk, I'm going to tell you why the NBA is going to be as exciting for me as it's ever been and why it should also be exciting for you as it's ever been. I know everybody loves super teams, but, but let me explain this to you. Cut them next after the break on Barbershop Sports Talk. with Barbershop Sports Talk, and now I just want to talk about, right, this is what we have in the NBA, and this is exciting for basketball fans. I want to list the West. I'm going to talk about the West, because I think the West is a little bit more important than the East at the moment. You have the Clippers, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly, Montez Harold, uh, Ivan Zubik, Lou Williams, they have the whole deal, right, Doc Rivers, championship coach. Lakers, LeBron, Anthony Davis, Rajon Rondo, DeMarcus Cousins, Kyle Kuzma, Golden State Warriors, D'Angelo Russell, Steph Curry, uh, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green. Uh, that, that, that team's always going to be good, right? In Golden State. You also have Willie Collie Stein there, too, at the center position. Four, Houston Rockets, James Harden, Chris Paul. Uh, that's a team that's been to the Western Conference Finals, been to the Conference Finals. Uh, has been the team that's been the second-best team in the league to Golden State the last couple years. You have the Utah Jazz. Mike Conley, one of the most underrated point guards in the NBA. Donovan Mitchell, who's a budding young star. Good backcourt, right? Good team. Uh, six. How about the Denver Nuggets? Nikola Jokic? Jamal Murray? Young team, second seed in the West this year? Seven. Portland Trailblazers. They were in the conference finals. Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum? Oh, my Lord. Okay, now let's get to other teams. Now, we have seven people, seven spots already covered in the West. Who do you want that to be the eighth seed to be? You want to be the Dallas Mavericks, Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis? Or you want to go with uh, the New Orleans Pelicans, Lonzo Ball, Zion Williamson, Drew Holiday? Or I could even raise you up twofold. How about the San Antonio Spurs, Greg Popovich? You know they're going to be really good. The West is loaded. It's freaking stupid. It's crazy. The West is going to be a bloodbath. It's going to be a bloodbath for seeding. <laughs> it's it's going to be crazy. Then in the East, I think there's three teams in the East. Milwaukee, Philly, Boston. I have Milwaukee and I have Philly a little bit ahead of Boston, but I think Boston, Brad Stevens, he can work his magic. Uh, Toronto's going to take a step back. I think New Jersey's a year away from entering, uh, excuse me, Brooklyn is a year away from entering uh, that spear of the Milwaukee's and the Philly, uh, Philadelphia 76ers. But other than that, the NBA is going to be so exciting. And what Kawhi Leonard just did. And I was telling Silas that Silas thinks I'm crazy. Don't the, don't the Clippers kind of remind you of the Chicago Bulls? You had Ron Harper, Michael Jordan, Scottie Pippen, Dennis Rodman. And I forget the center's name. I, I forget the crap. I, I forgot the center's name. But uh, Clippers, Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Montez Harold. It's kind of the same thing. Ivan Zubik, a lot of length, uh, a strong line. And I'll tell you this. Name a better three-perimeter uh, three defender rotation. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, Patrick Beverly. Think about that. That's crazy. You will have trouble getting the ball up court against that team. You will have trouble penetrating against that team. It's going to be a tough team. Everybody, I want to thank you for listening to the 90th episode of Barbershop Sports Talk. Also want to give a shout out to my mom. It's her birthday on July 11th. Uh, Got to get that out there in case we don't have another podcast before then. Uh, love you, mom. I appreciate everything you do. Uh, she's the star of the show, really. Uh, even though she's never come on. Uh I want to thank you for listening via WJCU. Um, also, you can check me out SoundCloud, Stitcher, 
Apple, iTunes, Spotify, any podcasting, uh, streaming revenue. I'm also looking at right now getting us on YouTube, some other other stuff. Uh, a lot of good stuff going on. And thank you for tuning into this episode of Barbershop Smart Talk. <laughs>